Hey guys, it's Mark here from the ETF Tracker Show and this is episode 10 of our interviews with experts and we've got a special one on today. We have Jessica Lung who works for BetaShares and she's a portfolio manager there taking care of some awesome ETFs that you may have already heard of such as Ethi and Fair, but that's her job by day. By night or you know other parts during the day she is also a budding influencer on the financial uh, social media community a finfluencer of sorts so she has a channel called the long way we're going to learn more about her day job we're going to learn more about the long way and the reasons why she got started it is all about helping investors we love that because that's what we're trying to do here as well so uh, please do like share and subscribe to see all of this and more we'll see you in the show and welcome back everyone so we are here with jess long from the long way how are you i'm good thanks how are you I'm very well. It's a Saturday for all of those playing at home. So usually we've done these uh, interviews uh, midweek, but uh, we make a special case for someone special like you, Jess. Thank you. I didn't know that. <laughs> no, Sorry no, for making work on your weekends. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, you know, the entrepreneurial life, you work is kind of like a nonstop thing. You just, you work when you, you find the time to do it. And this is, I mean, I can't remember which episode number this is going to be because we pre-record all of them, but um, I've learned so much from all of the interviews so far, and I'm sure I will uh, from yourself. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, we will start off as we do with every guest with the first question, which is the origin story, in, you know, the superhero kind of movie. Um, so how did you get started working in finance and what got you interested in ETFs? Yeah, so I've been interested in finance and markets practically all my life. The first memory of finance I have actually goes back all the way to primary school. I think I was in year five wow. and the teacher gave us all a photocopy of back in the day in the newspaper. They actually printed out the page of all the stocks and the last price. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you, if you I, know. I remember seeing that yeah <laughs> yeah so then um she gave each of one like a photocopy of that sheet and I think the amount she gave us was I think ten thousand dollars and Whoa. she's like okay you have ten thousand dollars how would you invest your money mm. so I just thought that was the coolest and funnest exercise today and that's actually my first memory that I have of trying to invest in stocks um that's brilliant yeah and then do you, do you remember what you bought yeah, <laughs> so this is not financial advice because no, this course. was from a 10-year-old me. Yep. <laughs> but I bought QBE because I think my okay. dad was working at QBE at the time. And mm -hmm. then I bought ANZ because that was a bank that my parents used to bank with. Okay. Um, and then I think probably some other random name, but I just remember QBE and ANZ. Oh, that's, that's amazing. It sounds like you're a little portfolio manager already. <laughs> uh, how old were you? What, what grade of primary school were you in? I think it was year five for my memory. So oh my probably God. eight or nine years old. I remember Ninja Turtles in primary school. So that's, <laughs> that's very cool. Um, and what, you know, from, from there, what happened? Yeah, so then fast forward to uni. So in uni, I studied applied finance and actuarial studies. But then the applied finance side always appealed to me a lot more. And that was when I kind of knew or I, I knew all of a sudden that I wanted to be on finance and working finance and preferably on the investment side and not mm -hmm. really working on the insurance side as an actuary um yeah and then I've been in asset management ever since I graduated uni so my first oh. job out of uni 
at Macquarie was a operational role for structured products. Mm-hmm. And then I moved on to investment risk and then finally front office in equities. And then now I'm here in BetaShares. Brilliant. And uh, how long have you been at BetaShares? I think just over, I joined mid or during the pandemic last year. So a bit over a year now, actually. Oh, good timing for uh, any moves yeah. like that. <laughs> um, so just uh, at BetaShares, so we know you was a, a PM over at, uh, at BetaShares. Can you tell us a bit more about your role and, um, you know, what you're doing at BetaShares? Sure. So at BetaShares, I'm a part um, team of seven on the PM team. So some of us focus on the fixed income funds, some of us focus on the equities one. I myself focus on equities and ESG, and some of the funds that I look after include EPI, FAIR, CLDD, and RBTZ, as well as most of our diversified funds. Um, but also another role or a big part of our role as a PM is just product development. So creating and building new products to bring to the market for our investors. Wow, brilliant. Um, Ethi is definitely one of my favorites and we've been doing at ETF Tracker a couple of uh, analysis videos because as you know, we bring a lot of data together out there and including the holdings and, you know, Beta shares, you guys, you, you gave me a lot of work to do. You've got 60 plus ETF, so takes I think a the latest count is sixty five or sixty six, yeah. something like that. It's it's so good, but yeah, there's a lot of work to pull in your um, ETFs. But I set that as my first challenge when I was looking at the ETF holdings and making it easier for people to analyze. Um, but yeah, it was a big mountain, and you guys are doing some amazing stuff there. But ESG is really really interesting, and it's been kind of like this flavor of the month. What are your thoughts? I mean, not flavor. Sorry. It's been a flavor of the month for some people, but then it's turned into something actually serious. And we saw a lot of money going into it in 2020, you know, after 2019. And whether it's the pandemic that drove it or it's people actually realizing we need to take care of our planet, you know? So we saw a lot of it in the data, but what are your thoughts on ESG as a whole um, with more funds listing? And, you know, what about the ones that are being relabeled? You know, they weren't ESG and now they're being relabeled ESG. So thoughts on the the whole and, you know, these other little nuances around ESG, what do you think? Yeah, so ESG investing is very personal to me or I hold it very close to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I practically volunteered myself to look after the ESG funds in my interview when I said that my interest lies in ESG. Okay. Um, And it's something that I personally like to invest in. And I think lots of investors also share the same sentiment as me. Like you said, this space has grown a lot. As of now, I think we're over $30 billion in sustainable assets just in Australia. Mm-hmm. And even the rate at which it's growing is increasing a lot as well. Um, but you can still say that this space is still in its early stages. Yeah. It's going through a lot of changes. And like you said, there's a lot more ESG funds listing and being relabeled. Um, but with that, then you often hear the term greenwashing being mm. referred to more and more as well. So for those that are greenwashing is when a fund markets itself as being more green or ethical than it really is. And I think until the market has consistent reporting standards on the definitions on what is considered ethical and how mm. to invest sustainably, the onus really lies on investors to try to figure that out themselves. And that can be really confusing. So my tip for investors there is make sure you look under the bottom, you know, try to really look and understand the holdings and make sure that what you're holding is what you're expecting from the fund. That's brilliant. I mean, that, that's what we say under the bonnet, under the hood. We hear others talk about this too. The guys at Equity Mates, even Rask Australia, they all talk about looking 
um, under the hood. And where do you see, I mean, like we try to do some, some stuff. We don't have all the data points, but we do a little bit with ETF tracker, but where, apart from that, so not to try to plug what I'm doing here too much, but um, apart from that, where do you suggest for investors to do that, um, you know, looking under the hood? Yeah. So then um, I guess as investors or ESG considerations slowly become the norm and, and will be the norm, it's mm. not good enough from a fund provider perspective just to say, oh, my fund is ESG or to practically put out the same or identical fund after they're slapped on ESG in the name and say, oh, it's ethical because it's past the screens, you know? Yeah. And I think investors are getting better at looking and understand the holdings themselves. Mm -hmm. But I think what's important and what should be focused on is how or ESG integration. So how the fund managers actually use data and research okay. to inform their investment decisions and to help them manage the ESG risk within the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we've done in our funds, such as FE and FAIR. So we've kind of included it in the portfolio construction process. Yeah. And then also the Responsible Investment Committee has engagement with the companies where they deem necessary to make sure we really provide investors with a true-to-label um, portfolio. Oh, that's really interesting. So it's not just... Um... You know, some people might think that it's just running a few screens and then that's that's it. But no, you've actually got an RIC, a responsible investment. Um, what, what, what's the full term for it? Responsible investment? Committee. Committee. There, there you go. So for those playing at home, RIC, we'll put that in the show notes. But you've got, that, um, you've got a group there that is talking to companies about all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's that's really good to to note. Um, and Ethi and Fair, just to uh, go into that a little bit more, what's the difference between those? They're they're two of your flagship kind of ethical funds. What does one cover and the other? Mm -hmm. So Ethi will give you exposure to our diversified portfolio of international sustainable mm -hmm. names that we classify as climate leaders. So that's when um, it's a top one third of performers in terms of carbon efficiency in the industry itself, or they're engaged in activities that, for example, um, scope four emissions, they help reduce carbon use by other industries. So first it's the climate leaders, and then they mm -hmm. get rig rigorously screened for things such as fossil fuel, human labor rights, and gender diversity. And then from there, we pick the largest 200 names by market cap. Wow. And FAIR is our domestic version, but it's not exactly a carbon leaders, it's just a sustainable leaders. Um, versions of they also have the same set of really comprehensive screens and then from there we pick out the sustainable leaders within each of the industry groups to include in the portfolio okay that's that's really brilliant and um you know for those that might have just heard the the name on the tin and maybe haven't looked at the holdings and maybe haven't tried to you know understand the definition of well what you know the strategies for these i think all of this kind of stuff is helpful but we definitely recommend that they look at the page you know, the, the fun page that you guys have for all 65 um, that they're interested in. You mentioned before um, that one part of your role as well is looking into the types of products that, you know, can come out. And we see a lot of innovation in the ETF world. But um, when you do look for those, uh, you know, new types of products that you can bring, do you look overseas? Do, you know, where do you look at for innovation um, to bring to investors here? Yeah, so definitely we're very lucky in Australia in the sense that we essentially have a crystal ball to kind of guide us into the future <laughs> yeah. in terms of ETF. So I'm referring to, you know, international markets and especially the US. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of see the growth trends, what has done well, what investors like. And just in general, I guess, in the product development process, some questions that we ask or that's where we kind of 
draw our inspiration from is what's missing in our product suite, what do our investors want to invest in, and what are some kind of the future or upcoming thematics that we want to capture and give, and, and give to them. But going back to your point in terms mm. of international, so not only do we look at the ETF market internationally, but we also just look at specific um, markets overseas and try to provide certain exposures or thematics to our investors as well. So for example, our NASDAQ 100 fund, as well as our Asian Tigers Technology Fund. Okay, well, that's that's really useful to hear. I just had to turn my mic off for a second as an ambulance went past. But um, I think it's really important that it, investors know that, you know, you guys are actively looking for those next things that you can bring to the market here. Because for a lot of people, it's like ETFs just all of a sudden came up on their radar and maybe they had preconceived notions that these are just boring index kind of funds but there's actually more to it there's a lot of innovation that is happening a lot of thematics that are are new that we're seeing you guys are definitely bringing up um quite a few interesting ones so we'll keep an eye out for that that's for sure uh so the next question is um kind of personal actually because unlike some of the other people that we've uh not not everyone i'm sure others have but um when you're in, you know, this space, like I've always seen it as like, there's the Finfluencer, Finstagram, the um, social influencer in finance community. And then there's the professional kind of working community. And you kind of toe the line on, on both. You've got a bit of a growing Instagram uh, following. We follow you here at ETF Tracker, but, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? What led you to doing it and how is it going so far? Yeah, sure, of course. But before we get started, I sure. I was listening to your episode that you did with Angel, and then you guys were talking about the topic of influencers and yeah. how there were good and bad ones. So then, my question back to you is: Am I considered a good or bad influencer? On a scale of bad to good, <laughs> you're right up here, and you know we've got uh, good reasons for that because you give a lot of great information from a sort a reliable source, and I think for us. It's not just ETFs look under the hood for the holdings and and the data, but it's also the people that you listen to and talk to, do they have that pedigree or is it just like, you know, one of my favorite things to do sometimes to um, just unwind has been to watch these YouTube videos that are finding scammers online and taking, pulling them apart, you know, whether it's a multi-level marketing scam that is going on, not all MLM necessarily is bad, but you know, whether it's that or the, you know, 12 year old saying that they're a millionaire and looking at all these cars and stuff. And it's definitely a scam, you know, but it gets more sophisticated, especially with Mm. investing and people don't know what they don't know. So I find what you're doing quite important in this space. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, like um, going back to what you're saying, so what kind of made me start was actually the rise of the influencers themselves. So mm. I would see them on my personal social media and then just seeing them give quote-unquote advice um, and just spreading kind of the wrong message. You know, most of them, as you said, they don't come from a finance background. And to put it bluntly, I would say that they've just been lucky. You know, they started mm. investing during the, during the pandemic and they kind of rode the wave of performance or got into certain crypto early. Yeah. Or they talk about, or how should I say this? They don't really know the concept of risk. It's a foreign mm-hmm. concept to them. They've only understood returns and all they talk about is returns, but no one in, in the influence world is really understanding or talking about risk. Yeah. And I think that it's so important because when you're investing, it's just as much about managing your risk, if not more important than managing your money. Absolutely. And um, um, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. 
Oh no. Yeah. And then just following from my point, like, yeah, also at that point, it just didn't look like the regulators were going to do anything about it, you know, mm. and then just kind of let them run wild, I suppose. So then I decided if you can't really beat them, then why not I be a voice that's reliable and, re and responsible in the space? So that's kind of the reason why I started my social media on Instagram and TikTok as well. So I downloaded TikTok just for oh. this reason. Okay, nice. <laughs> How, yeah, sorry, um, how long ago did you say you downloaded TikTok? Probably six months ago. Okay. How's it going on that one? It's it's going well, I would say. I'm not I'm not up there in terms of following, but I have a couple thousand followers for now. So I think that's that's still a couple more thousand more than what I expected originally. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, I don't get the whole TikTok one. Like, I mean, I'm on there and I've tried it, but I don't understand all the technology. I'm finally at that age where some sort of technology is kind of befuddling yeah. me and it's just yeah i'm sure i just got i could just put more time into <laughs> it and stuff but but yeah that's okay sorry and and you were saying what, what else was there to do with the um you know the instagram and tiktok thing yeah so that, um that's the reason why i decided to start it and my main aim is just to raise awareness and to teach about financial literacy in a simple to understand manner um and like you were saying before, not all influencers are bad. There are good ones mm. and there are a lot um, of people out there which are simply sharing the journey and I'm, and I'm all for that as well. But Absolutely. another reason, yeah. yeah, another reason as to why I started was um, just a lot of our products or beta shares products we get brought up all the time mm -hmm. and then they'll get be quoted incorrectly or just that the information that was given oh. about them was just wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, so then I'll, I thought to myself, who else better to be in this space than, you know, the person that's actually managing the ETFs themselves so that people can put a face to the name and kind of break the stigma or the misconception that people have around portfolio managers and just in general people that work in finance and especially being female and of Asian descent. Um, I think it's really important to have representation in this space. Yeah, oh, definitely. I'm, I'm all for the minorities as well because I am one you know growing up growing <laughs> up in western sydney and all that kind of stuff never did i expect to kind of work in finance and technology and all this kind of stuff that we're doing so so that's that's fantastic and onwards and upwards i say like uh if Thank people you. aren't following you they need to because you've got your daily um i mean apart from the the yoga stuff that you, you're doing there's also you've got some daily notes there so it's been quite helpful i'm sure for many people that follow to see what's going on in the market yeah. Yeah. And I didn't think that my daily dabbles would take off or be as popular as it would. No, it's just part of part of my everyday job or part of my routine just to keep up with the markets and the overnight news. So then when they're just thought, why don't I just share the headlines that I'm reading? And people have responded really well to that. No, that's brilliant. And um, it's it's very inspiring. And I can certainly learn from what it is that you're doing and stuff. So, you know, we will take uh, a lot of that on board. I mean, we started this newsletter and stuff just because there was stuff that I would read each week but it was just kept to myself so why not share this kind of stuff and see if others can get value from it and so far you know it's going okay so we'll, we'll see how we go so the next question um i guess uh is for those that are interested in and obviously we can't you know this is um not financial advice you know caveats all around here but um do you have any tips for investors that are just getting started with etfs what are the kind of things that they should look for? Yeah, of course. Um, so like we mentioned multiple times uh, earlier, but I think it's still the most important tip is to always look under the bonnet, you know, mm. um, don't just go by the name of the ETF. 
So that sometimes that can be very misleading. Um, always check out and make sure you understand the index methodology. Mm -hmm. So that tells you how the how the index is constructed and how the names go in and out of the fund. Uh, and to check the underlying holdings to make sure that it aligns with what you're expecting from the fund. Brilliant. And for those that are, no, you. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, and yeah. I'm just saying for those that are usually just starting out, you know. Um, just remember that it's okay to change your mind. So you're not stuck with the one ETF that you bought from day one. So it's okay just to, as long as you get started and um, to get the process going and get more confident in your skills. And as long as you keep your research up as your knowledge develops, so would your investing skills as well. Um, and in terms of actually buying or trading the ETFs, some tips that I would give is to avoid trading directly after the market opens. Oh, okay. Or directly before the market closed. Because, yeah, that's usually when the market's most volatile. Mm -hmm. And the other tip is going off the back of that is to use a limit order. So you don't want to just go on market. Mm -hmm. A market order is just go, okay, let me just get done at whatever price it is now. I don't really care. So while limit order, you're saying, okay, the max, for example, that I will pay to buy an ETF is $1.65. Or the minimum that I'm willing to sell is $1.65. So that you won't get any surprises there. That's some really good tips and stuff there. And you have some of these as well, like on your page, right? Like on Instagram, yeah. like you've got some series of this kind of stuff. So I only just learned myself how to do the highlights maybe a month ago, how to put those highlights of stories up there. I wasn't even doing stories. I'm like, what's the point of stories? But then I realized that from those short, sharp things that are up there and whether lessons or videos or whatever it is, or highlight, uh, sorry, that you can put them into highlights. So you've got a few of those on there. So, um, you know, what, what are some of the ones that, uh, that you've got on your page, like for lessons, is there like a highlights area for lessons or something? No, I haven't, but I do have a guide. Um, I, but I don't think Many people use that uh, function in Instagram. It's a guide where I kind of collate all my posts. So I've got a guide which is um, before starting investing. So to make sure you go through and understand your finances. So mm -hmm. not just necessarily go straight into investing because that may not be suitable for everyone right there and now to make sure, just kind of make sure you have your budget, your debt, everything under control and that you're only going to invest what you can afford to invest. So um, it might sound counterintuitive from my end being an ETF portfolio manager, but sometimes I tell people if it's, it may not just be for you right now. So you don't, it's okay for you to kind of hold off investing for a while while you get everything else sorted. Yeah. That's really hard with like FOMO and stuff yeah, out there. You sure. know, we see so much, oh, the markets are roaring and doing so well. And so-and-so has made so much, but it is a really personal kind of journey. So um, yeah, I think it's amazing that you are sharing that kind of stuff and being a voice of reason because there's a sea of, you know, good and bad information out there. So I really thank you for doing that. You know, I've got friends that I'm pointing to your direction because you have such oh, good information. <laughs> so we'll continue to do that. But um, look, uh, that pretty much wraps up uh, the uh, this interview. So if people are interested you know, from a professional standpoint, uh, are you on LinkedIn for people to follow? Can they, uh, yes. you know, see you, can you there? Find me on LinkedIn under Jessica Long. Okay, and uh, for the in so Instagram and TikTok, people can find you there. And what's the handle? Yeah, so you can find me on my socials. That's where I educate um, about financial literacy and give ETF and investing tips in a simple to understand manner. My handle on Instagram and TikTok is at the long way. So T H E. Mm -hmm. L-E-U-N-G-W-A-Y.
Perfect. So we'll include that in the show notes uh, if people, you know, ha- just jump to that. But uh, hopefully we see more of the stuff that you're providing and we'll just both continue our journeys. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was a, it was a pleasure. Awesome. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. That's a wrap up of episode 10. If you asked me many weeks ago, if I would have thought that we would get to 10 episodes of speaking to some amazing people in the ETF markets, people that work in different parts of it that all need to come together to be able to provide you guys with the great product of the ETF. So I don't think that we, you know, I couldn't have imagined all of this kind of happening. So It has been an amazing journey and we are so excited to bring you more amazing content at the ETF Tracker Show. If you didn't already know, there's actually a website, www.etftracker.com.au. So ETF and Tracker, all one word. You can Google it or you can go directly to the site. And we've got quite a few resources there. There's also the apps, which is where all of this started from. So please do Follow us on our socials. We're on Instagram, uh, YouTube, Spotify even. There's a little bit on TikTok. We're trying to do more with Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn as well as ETF Tracker. You can follow me at Mark Monfort. And yeah, just uh, see if there's anything there that interests you, whether it's the apps or it's the other resources. Hope you have a great day. This has been an awesome episode and we'll see you soon.